For New York Now, I'm J.R. Carlsbad, and this is On Film. Hello, and welcome to another episode of On Film. For New York Now, I'm J.R. Carlsbad, and for the last 37 years, I have woken up every day and decided once again to love film. Today, we will be talking about, of course, a very important film. A film that has had an impact on the world, that has had an impact on my life, on my life personally, and we'll get into how. We'll get into how this film had a direct impact on the course of my life, and I certainly won't forget to get into that. We are, of course, discussing today the 2004 film, The Five Direct Ways Into My Bloodstream, written and directed by Frederina Blind. The Five Direct Ways Into My Bloodstream was an early entry into the genre of film now known as LGBTQ plus horror musical. Frederina Blind, of course, while directing and writing, was also responsible for all the music in the film. And of course, there are 17 original songs, all about blood, featuring an ensemble cast, including an early Margot Robbie, Diane Keaton, Meryl Streep, Audra McDonald, and Jenny Jams. This film takes place inside the body of notorious crook Jacob Schmank. All of these actors play blood cells inside of Jacob Schmank's bloodstream. And have you ever thought about blood cells falling in love? This is one area that Pixar couldn't get to quick enough. What if blood cells could love? We'll go through a quick synopsis. The Five Direct Ways Into My Bloodstream opens with our main blood cell, played by Margot Robbie, named Janice. Janice is a young blood cell going to her final day of high school. She's about to go off to Blood Harvard in the fall. And she only has one more day to tell her crush, Crink, that she has always loved him. She goes, Margot Robbie approaches Crink, played by Brad Pitt, in a wildly inappropriate age gap, and tells him that she loves him. And he laughs in her face. He just laughs. And I think that was a good call by the filmmaker. It was a good call. We don't need to see that romance play out. Again, because of that age gap. Not okay. We can't be doing that. So good call. Good call. Margot Robbie's character runs out of the high school, decides to skip her entire last day of high school because she's heartbroken by Brad Pitt. And so she goes off on an adventure. She gets in her blood car and drives through the bloodstream of this notorious crook. She goes, she goes to the local burger joint and she decides, you know what? I am going to find love today. No matter what. And this is where we start to pick up on what the title of the movie really means. Because we find out that Brad Pitt was just one of the five direct ways into her bloodstream. She she takes on five lovers in this film. The first being Brad Pitt. It doesn't go well. And she she will meet four more lovers along the way. Number two is, of course, played by Meryl Streep. And again, the age gap thing. Same with the third one, Audra McDonald. Just too much of an age gap. Diane Keaton comes in. You think she's going to be the fourth 
you think she's going to be the fourth direct way into the bloodstream? She's not. She serves as more of a mentor to Margot Robbie in a really incredible scene uh, with with a beautiful monologue delivered by Diane Keaton, which I actually happen to have in front of me, and I will read to you now. She says, Darling, it's not about the ways into your bloodstream. It's about the ways out of your bloodstream. And you might be asking yourself, what does that mean? And I've been asking myself that question for a long time, and I don't quite know. But what I do know is this. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to expect anyone else to love you? And I know what you may be thinking. That's a very tired thing, and people should be able to be loved, even if they don't feel particularly great about themselves on a given day. And I know what you may be thinking. Why did I just refer to myself as a person? I'm not a person. I'm blood. I am a blood cell. And I know what you may be thinking. You seem to have a a way of knowing exactly what's going on in my head. And I know what you may be thinking. How are you doing this? And I'll tell you. It's through telepathy. I'm a telepath. I'm also an empath. But you knew that. I know you knew that because I can hear it in your head. I can hear your thoughts. Darling, you've got to be kind to yourself. You've got to go out and say, Ooh, I'm a hot bitch. Ooh, ooh, look at me. Ooh, I'm the hottest blood cell this side of the aorta. And once you believe that about yourself, only then will you find true love. That monologue, of course, won Diane Keaton the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress in 2004. Margot Robbie goes off thinking she understands what Diane Keaton meant, that she has to be kind to herself. And so she stares in a mirror and yells at herself about how awesome she is for like 25 minutes straight. It's really great stuff. I recommend going and watching the director's cut where there's an extra 10 minutes of her just truly screaming, just screaming into a mirror. It's absolutely incredible. You've got to check it out. But I think where this movie really takes off is when she meets lover number four. Lover number four, played by Jeremy Strong, has an intense connection with Margot Robbie. (coughs) Edit that out. Edit that out. I swear to God, if you don't edit that out, if my editor does not... Jeremy, Jeremy, listen to me. Jeremy, the editor. If 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 you're just someone listening to this name, Jeremy, this isn't for you. You can skip this part. Hit that 30 second skip button. Do not listen to this. Jeremy, my editor. You better listen up and listen up good. I just burped. And if you don't edit that out, I swear to God, I will have your head on a platter and I will serve it to my guests for dinner. And don't you dare come at me with, oh, oh, JR, JR, you don't ever have guests over for dinner because nobody loves you and you don't have any friends. Jeremy, I told you that in confidence. In confidence. And don't, don't you be using that against me. Because I know your address. I know your mailing address, which I know, and know it's a P.O. box. But it's got to be pretty close to where you live. So I can find your P.O. box, and then I'll just run around the neighborhood yelling, Jeremy, Jeremy, where are you? Jeremy, get out of here. And eventually, someone will point me to your, your house, probably an apartment, not a house. I don't pay you well. And they'll say, they'll say, Jeremy's over there. Go get him. I hate that son of a bitch. And I'll say, hey, 
Don't use that kind of language about Jeremy. It's not cool to say that kind of thing. And they'll say, you're so right, J.R. Carlsbad. I respect you. And then we will shake hands and exchange numbers. And we will never call each other. Never. Because I will be in prison. Because once I've gone to your apartment, I will have, I will have attacked you. I'll attack you, Jeremy. So you better edit out that perp. Okay? Are we clear? Are we clear? Jeremy, answer me. I'm sorry. I forgot you're not here right now. I was waiting for a verbal response. It's okay. I'm just assuming that we're clear. You're going to hear this later. And I'll... How about when you listen to this later and you're editing this, you give me a call to say that we're that we're good. Is that what does that work for you, Jeremy? What's a good time for you to call me? I'm available between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 p.m. every day. My calendar is open. I know I spend a lot of time watching films and recording this podcast daily, but I do that. I, I do that between 3 a.m. and 9 a.m. And between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. I sleep. I got to get some. I got to get my shut eye. I'm going to give you access to my Google Calendar so you know when I'm available. Just in case something ever comes up. Nothing has ever come up. But just in case something does come up and I'm, I'm, I'm unavailable, you'll know. Because I, I wouldn't want you to call me when I'm, when I, you know, if I'm on a date. And I'm on a date, and then I, I see my phone ring, and it says, oh, it's Jeremy. Jeremy's calling. And then I have to rudely get up from the table and take a phone call from my employee, Jeremy. I wouldn't want that. And I know you wouldn't want to do that to me. I know you wouldn't want to put me in that uncomfortable position. So let's just, I'll give you access to my Google Calendar. The The email address is jrcarlsbaddy22 at gmail.com the password is scrumptious the s the first s is a dollar sign the second one is that cool s that people draw used to draw on like textbooks and their binders in middle school that cool s that's like all straight lines and and if you don't know how to type that figure it out google it you're a millennial jeremy i'm i'm not I won't say what generation I'm in because I, I refuse to ever publicly reveal my age. But I'll t- I'm not a millennial. I'll tell you that much. Okay? And I sincerely hope none of the listeners have stuck around for this. Because, oh boy, if, the, if any of you have listened to this, oh, I'm fucked. I'm, I'm absolutely... Oh, I'm screwed. Oh, I've stepped in it this time. And Jeremy, you could just edit all of this out. And I I hope you do. I'm realizing now you can just edit this out. I will, of course, never listen back to an episode. So I won't know. So I guess I won't know if you edit out the burp or not. But I'm trusting my listeners. If Jeremy didn't edit out the burp... Oh, listeners, come back. Hey, hey, stop pressing the 30-second button. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's time to listen again, okay? It's time to listen. If Jeremy didn't edit out the burp, I need you 
to tweet me. Contact me on X. I don't have an account, but tweet me anyway. Figure it out. Find a way to get a tweet to me telling me, hey, Jeremy, did send me hashtag, uh, hash mark, Jeremy didn't edit out the burp. And then I'll know that I need to go fucking kill Jeremy. Okay, I'm sorry about that. That got out, I, I got out of line there. So Margot Robbie has an intense connection with Jeremy Strong, and they go on many dates. They make sweet love in a beautiful animated love scene. Did I mention the movie's animated? They're all blood cells. You could have figured that out. It's an animated film. But then at the end of that scene, Jeremy Strong tells Margot Robbie that he's going off to blood war. He's going off to blood war. And he likely will never see her again. And he was right. He never sees her again. We follow him as he walks out the door to get on the the blood bus to go to blood war. And he gets hit by a blood car. He doesn't even make it to war. He dies five feet outside of his blood house. So then Margot Robbie, she accepts that she's never going to find love. And she cries. She cries tears of blood. And what is it that happens in that moment? She finally realizes what Diane Keaton meant. What it really means to love yourself. And she gets legally married to herself. That's the end of the movie. Wow, what a film. What a film. I can't believe it. This film won no major awards aside from that Razzie for Diane Keaton. And this is the part of the show where I tell you the way that this movie... That this film... Fuck, that's another dollar in the movie jar. Jeremy? Jeremy, I swear to... Listener, 30 seconds again, several more times. Jeremy! Jeremy, I'm talking to you now! Oh, Jeremy. One burp. One burp I can live with, but two... Two is inexcusable, Jeremy. If you don't edit that out, Jeremy... Not only will I have your head, I'll have the head of everybody you've ever loved. Jeremy! Jeremy, listen to me! Jeremy, I need this. Jeremy, I don't have a lot going for me. Okay. Okay. I'm... I'm worried that New York now is going to let me go at any moment. Every day, I wake up and I do two things. I choose to love film... And I worry that New York Now is going to call me and say, that's it, JR. You haven't brought us in any revenue in 25 years. We don't know why we keep you on the payroll. You're not tenured. And you're not union. You're certainly not union. You're staunchly anti-union. And we don't, I don't need the listeners to know about that. I feel like it would make me unpopular with them if they knew that I was anti-union. So, Jeremy, just please, for the love of God, honestly, just edit most of this episode out. I should, if I were to actually go back and listen to an episode, I should see that this episode is like three minutes long. Okay? Again, I'm not going to check. And it's not because I trust you. I don't trust you. I simply don't have the time. I'm far too busy to go back and check. So, Jeremy, I'm I'm crossing my fingers. I'm putting my faith in you, bud. Because I need this. Okay, listener, come back. Come back! 
This film, of course, had a direct impact on my life because this film is... It was at a screening of this film where I... I met the first love of my life in 2004. Her name was Chartreuse. And God, God, did I love her. I knew her name was Chartreuse because of her name tag that she had on. It looks like she just came from work. We never spoke to each other once, but I loved her. I fell in love with her laugh when she laughed at the movie. Anytime she laughed, I laughed. When when her and Jeremy Strong shared a, a blood milkshake with two straws and, oh, they got brain freeze. Chartreuse went, ha, ha, and so I went, ha, 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 and I looked at her for approval and she didn't look at me probably because we were in a movie theater laughing at a funny moment in a movie why would she turn and look at me i was a stranger and i still am a stranger to her but she's not a stranger to me i keep track of of what's going on in her life she's gotten married since she has two beautiful children named billy and willie they're twins they look nothing like me and that's okay. That's okay. That is something I can live with. <laughs> Jeremy, I... Jeremy, you're all I have. <laughs> Jeremy. I've never even met you. I'm recording this from my... my penthouse garden in New York, and... and where are you? I know your P.O. box is in Tallahassee, Florida. Are you in Tallahassee? I would hope so. Anyway, folks, that's... I'm sorry. I'm very emotional. And so I think I have to go. I think that's all the time we have. So... Uh, for New York now, I'm... For New... For, for, for New York now, I... I've, I have been J.R. Carl's bad and, and this is on film <laughs> Jeremy On Film is hosted by me Michael Thomas Kennedy Everything you just heard was completely improvised If you enjoyed the show and want to listen to more you can go over to Patreon where there are extended and bonus episodes of the show Thanks so much for listening Thanks so much for listening